I, I come from a family of non-huggers, okay? If, if I'm in a hug that goes too long, the padding mechanism starts. It's kind of my little release valve. Let me go, let me go, <laughs> okay? Uh, I get it honestly. I get it. I get it from a family member, okay? So I get it honestly. When I was dating Jenny, uh, when we were dating, we were boyfriend, girlfriend, I made the mistake. I was giving her a hug. I've told you this before. I made the mistake of looking at my watch while I was giving her a hug. That went over just as well as you thought it did. Yeah, that, um, we were both in counseling for like a decade for that one right there. And uh, the funny thing is, Jenny was actually an answer to prayer. I mean, the year before, as a sophomore, I remember I was in the singles group at the First Baptist Church because that's how we did it. You know, it was by demographic, okay? The old people group, the young people group, the young people with kids, the young people with no kids. I mean, it was just segregated. Everything was segregated. So I was in the single people group hoping that I wouldn't be single, okay? And I, pray, I remember in the second floor, the second floor praying, God, I, I, want, I, want, to, I, I want to feel you surround me. And, and really, in, a, in a some metaphorical sense, I was asking for a hug, okay? And then Jenny comes along, and then I look at my watch. What's that all about, okay? So she was actually an, an answer to prayer. I'm a work in progress when it comes to uh, passing on meaningful touch. I am learning how to do that because, like I said, I'm a non-hugger, but I'm working on it. And a few months ago, I know I've made progress because a few months ago, Jenny says, you know, you're hugging more a lot, I've noticed. Dang, that's good. I can change, okay? So uh, I'm learning. I'm changing. And the reason I'm learning and changing is because there are people counting on me. There are people depending on me to show them unconditional love. And one of the ways to do that is through meaningful touch. And so when I squeeze one of my kids with a bear hug and I don't let go, I'm conveying that. Or when I put my arm on somebody's shoulder, I'm conveying that, Um, And so that's why I work hard at it. There are people in your life that are depending on you to show that. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 16 or 20 or 55. There are people in your life counting on you for that very thing. They're they're looking to you for a blessing. They're they're counting on you to show some unconditional love in, in such a way that it says to them, you're valuable. Last week, we talked about what, what to do if you didn't receive a blessing from your parents, okay? And we, we talked about what to do in that context. And we could stop there, and we could focus there, and we, we could languish there for a long time because for, for many of us, that was our story. We grew up, and we did not get a blessing from our parents. We, we, did, we don't know what it's like to receive unconditional love because there was no such thing as unconditional love in our home. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to listen to that message. Uh, but, but we're not going to stop there. Today I want to shift the focus and I want to talk about what you and I can give because we could focus on what we didn't get or what we're not getting, but I, I want to focus today on what we can give because there is something that you and I can give. And I promise you this, if you can learn to start showing unconditional love this way, over time it will come back to you. Just give it a little bit of time. It will come back. It doesn't ever return void. We're in the middle of a series on church and family, okay? So to put this in context, uh, we've been talking about church and family. And a few weeks ago, we talked about the church. And and at the risk of oversimplification, we said that if you could reduce uh, and describe the church in one word, what would it be? Light. The role of the church is to turn on a light switch and show the world who God is. 
And last week we talked about family and we said at the risk of oversimplification, family is really a place for the heart. The role of a family is to show the world what unconditional love is like so that those children, when they become adults, they can relate to a heavenly father who loves them unconditionally. Today I want to wade into that. And today I want to share with you two ways that you can show and express unconditional love in your family and in your tribe. And those two ways are really simple, meaningful touch and a spoken message. And I'm taking it right out of Genesis chapter 27, what Isaac does to his sons. And, and it's right out of John Trent's doctoral dissertation. Okay, So it's a twofold get there. Meaningful touch and a spoken message. And while I have in mind primarily the home or family as we're talking about this, for some of you, I want you to think outside kids because that's not the world you live in. You live in a different world, but I know your world and in your world you have a tribe. There are people that you hang with. They're your buddies. They're the people you let your hair down with, okay? And in your tribe, it's entirely possible that there's a Gary who's driven and he's trying to earn his dad's blessing. It's entirely possible in your tribe there is a Clarice and Clarice was abused by her stepdad and she doesn't know what, it, what it's like to be touched, Okay, so in your tribe, there's a context and there's a potential for unconditional love to be expressed and to be received in a way that's good. Um, So I want you to put that in that context. Um, When we get into this passage, I know some of you, you're going to go, well, duh, that's not rocket science. But but here's why this is important. If you work, if you if you got a job where you make money and there's evaluations, Uh, and let's say one day your boss, your supervisor, they sit down with you and they give you a 10-point evaluation. And nine of the points are things like you have really good people skills, your organization is phenomenal. You know, they go through the list. And then item number 10 is, um, you know, you're you're just consistently late. And, you know, that's not really cool and that, that probably ought to change. You're just consistently late. When you go home and you report to your spouse about the evaluation, what do you talk about? You talk about the nine good things? No! You talk about the one... Can you believe what they said? They said, I was late all the time. After all I do, after all the... You know I'm so good with people skills and I am just my organization and blah, 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 blah. But they told me I'm late. See, negative stuff has a tendency to sit and resonate longer in your soul and in my soul than positive things. And so there's a need in your life and in the lives of the people around you to have more positives than negatives coming in. So with that in mind, I want you to turn again to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. And if if you're just joining us today and you weren't here last week, here's a little bit of the backstory to catch you up. Genesis 27 is about two brothers who were twins, Jacob and Esau. Actually, Esau was the oldest, so it should be Esau and Jacob. They were twin brothers, but as Jacob would tell you, it's not like it was years. You know, he came out of the womb, what, a few minutes before me? What's the big deal? Okay, well, there's always a big deal when you're the firstborn, at least to firstborns there is, all right? So Esau and Jacob were twins. Esau was redheaded, hairy. He loved to hunt. Uh, Jacob was uh, a thinker, and he was mama's favorite, and they grew up in the same house, okay? In this passage, in Genesis chapter 27, dad is about to pass on a blessing. 
in, in this culture and in this context, that was a big deal. In the Old Testament, a blessing kind of had two layers to it. On the, on the first layer was all the God stuff, God's protection, God's favor, uh, uh, people speaking a blessing in this Old Testament context with the God stuff would have a predictive element. In other words, they were kind of prophesying into the future what the future would be like. And then there was a relational element along the bottom, which has to do with love and acceptance. And they were kind of woven together, all right? So Isaac tells his boys, I, I, I'm ready. I'm, I'm getting old. I can't see very much, very well, okay? Can't taste anything. That doesn't taste good anymore, okay? And he's ready to pass on a blessing to his son. Well, Jacob and, and uh, Jacob's mom, Isaac's uh, wife, they conspire to trick dad into thinking that Jacob's really the older son. And, and that's what plays out in this passage. Okay, and pick it up in verse 25. So, so Jacob has gone out and prepared this meal and come in, and, and his dad is thinking that it's not Jacob, but Esau, his oldest. And, and Jacob says this, or Isaac says this, the dad, Now, my son, bring me the meat. I'll eat it, and then I'll give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food over to his father, and Isaac ate it. He drank also the wine that Jacob served him. And then Isaac said, come here and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. Now this, this word come close, uh, it, it's used of two armies drawn together in battle. It's also used to describe the overlapping scales on a crocodile skin. How close is that? That's pretty close. Come close, my son. And he wants, he wants to embrace and give a kiss. And I want you to remember that when, when Isaac, the dad, asks his son to do this, his son is 40 years old. He's not a toddler anymore. Touch conveys value. Meaningful touch, non-sexual, appropriate, healthy touch conveys and says, I love you. You're valuable. You know this. I know this. Um, and this same scene is repeated a few chapters later in Genesis 48 when when. Jacob is now the old man, and he's passing on a blessing to his kids and grandkids. And what does he say to them? Come close. And he gives them a kiss. So it's wrapped in, into that. Meaningful touch is, is, is an important way to show and express love. And I know some of you are going, well, duh. Okay, but us non-huggers, we need to hear this. All right? Um, a, couple of, a couple of things I, I want to give you wow factors from the, from the Old Testament. One is... God knows this, all right? Of, of the, uh, how, many, how many million? Of the five million touch receptors that you and I have in, in our bodies, one-third of them are centered in our hands. Yeah. Is it any wonder that the high priest on the Day of Atonement, that's the big deal thing in the Old Testament, he instructs the high priest to put his hand on the goat that's going to carry the sin, representing all the sin from the people out of town. Physically put your hand on that goat. When you were bringing in a sin offering uh, so God would forgive you of sin, the priest would put his hand and you would put your hand on the head of that bull while the bull was slaughtered. Imagine the feeling of that for a moment. You know, this animal's losing its life because you sinned. That's a powerful sensory experience, isn't it? Touch matters. Touch is important. Um, but that's not all that Isaac offers his son. Uh, pick it up there in the second part of verse 27. 
When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and he blessed his son. And he said this, the smell of my son is the good smell of the open fields. The Lord is blessed. May God always give you plenty of dew for healthy crops and good harvests of grain and wine. May many nations become your servants. May you be the master of your brothers and may all your mother's sons bow low before you. All who curse you are cursed and all who bless you are blessed. Isaac, in addition to an embrace, gives his son a spoken message. And this is powerful. Um, That's why James, later on in in your Bible and in my Bible, says words are like the, the bridle, the bit in a horse's mouth, the rudder on a ship, or a big raging fire. Words are important in this book. That's why God renames people, Abram to Abraham. You know, I'm going to call you Peter on this rock. I'm going to build this church. You know, the guy who chickened out three times. I don't know, Jesus. I don't know, Jesus. You're a rock. Huh? Yeah. God's, it's spoken message that conveys value. Um, Now, it's not the same message that Isaac gives Esau. And if you fast forward and you look at Jacob, when Jacob becomes an old man, each one of the spoken messages that he gives to his 12 sons, each one of them is different. And in your world, in your family, in your tribe, your spoken message ought to be tailored to that person. Uh, and I, since I mentioned the, my daughter last week, I want to mention her again this week in a positive way. Last week I talked about the fact that we've been butting heads in the morning, okay, getting, getting somewhere on time, and how I needed to apologize and, and how, what happened with that. Uh, Jillian was born at the end of a long, difficult pregnancy, Uh, Jenny was sick. She was waylaid. She was in bed. It was rough. Really, that's the pregnancy that got me to go, okay, I'm happy with two. Two's enough for me, okay? Because I didn't want to go through that again. It was hard, and it was rough. Uh, Four or five days before uh, Jillian was born, my favorite uh, grandmother in the whole world, Grandma Vanderpool, died. And so when Jillian arrived, we, we gave her a special middle name. Her middle name is Hope because we were hoping that something good could come out of something bad. And I remind her of that. Jillian, you know your middle name? Uh-huh. And I tell her the story of what that pregnancy was like and what she's brought into our home. And I, and I can tell, you know, her face lights up. One of the things Jillian will do is um, she's crafty and she has all this knickknacks. Basically, she's a junk collector, Okay. She, if you got trash, don't throw it away. Just give it to her. And she'll make it into something and then give it to someone else. She's always wanting to give everyone a gift. If you come into our house, she wants you to leave with something, a piece of paper or, you know, a napkin that with spit and glue she's molded into something, okay? And, and see, your temptations like mine is like, oh, no thanks. But she's being generous. And so I've, I've, had to, I've been purposeful through some conversations to say, Jill, you remind me a lot of... Grandma Vanderpool. Every time I went to Grandma Vanderpool's house, she was always giving me something, and that meant a lot to me. When you become a woman, I bet there's going to be a lot of people who appreciate your generosity. See, I'm speaking a future for her, and that's what you and I need to do in our families and in our tribes. Um, here's where the rubber hits the road. If, if, if we pass on this blessing in our families and in our tribes, it's going to include those two things, right? Meaningful touch and a spoken message. But I know you're like me and you have a tendency to be inconsistent, right? Inconsistency is the mark of humanity. That's okay. It's the commitment 
to keep plugging and keep plugging and get better and better. And there is a credibility issue. Now, if it's the case in your home that you lavish on the praise, but there's no time or commitment to follow through with it, your credibility will be undermined, okay? And we could spend a whole message about how, you know, to mitigate credibility in your relationship. So I just want to make that important caveat. When, as we're talking about blessing and showing unconditional love, there is a credibility issue that comes into play. So recognize that for what it is. But here's where the rubber hits the road. In your life and in my life, in 2010 in America, we're busy, aren't we? I mean, you're... Vroom, boom, get in the van, get in the van. Boom, boom, Beep, beep, beep. You know, the side door that's mechanical that you have. I don't have one, but I've heard them. Beep, beep. Get out, get out. Deploy. Soccer. Yes, dad. You got to be back here at 530. Okay, got it. You know, can I take your order, please? I'd like four Big Macs, uh, three Happy Meals, and two uh, supersize them all. Okay, that'll be $5,622. No problem. Okay, you drive. Get it in the And then you're off, okay, because you, you just go, go, go. And that's how we live life. And there's soccer practice and ballet recitals and school and this and that and everything else. And boom, and overtime in life. What happens in all that activity is that this is what Reggie Joyner says. We run the risk of becoming relationally poor so that our kids can become experientially rich. Over busyness and too busyness Overactivity has the potential to shortchange blessing in your home because blessing is a relational thing. If you're not logging any family meals together, if the doors to your kids' bedrooms are always closed, those are flags, okay? Overbusiness and overactivity can actually rob you and me of the potential for blessing, okay? And, and here's why this is important. Have I told you anything you didn't know? Meaningful touch, give somebody a hug. To tell them what they mean to me. Duh. Okay? I didn't tell you anything you didn't know when you came through those doors, all right? But he, let me put it in, in this context. Have you ever been to a family reunion? Some of you haven't had the privilege. Family reunions are a, just, a, you should at least do one in your life, okay? Force yourself, I'm going to go, okay? After one family reunion on my mom's side, we were like, that's it, we're good for the rest of our lives. They were all Italian Catholics, and that was enough, okay? <laughs> but do at least one, and here's why. What, what happens if it's a multi-day event, uh, this is how the, it, it unfolds a certain way. When you first get together, every, you're just, it's, it's stupid talk. You know, you're talking about the car that they drove up in or what the kids are doing now or, you know, well, Shirley's at Yale. Oh, well, Johnny's at, you know, State. And, you know, and so the little thing goes and the little comparisons and you talk about football or the team, how the team is doing or the book you've read, just nonchalant stuff. But as the reunion wears on, things get a little bit more personal and a little bit more deep. And about an hour before everybody's ready to go on the last day, on the last afternoon, that's when the important stuff comes out. A brother will say to his sister, I know you're really struggling in, the mar- in your marriage right now. I, I get that. But I, I think you guys can make it. I know you can, and I'm praying for you. An aunt will say to her niece, I know school is a struggle for you, honey, but I want you to know how proud I have, have, am of you. I've always been proud of you. And you know what? You can do this. 
Or one of the grown children will say to their parents, Hey, Mom, Dad, look around. We didn't turn out so bad, did we? These are all spoken messages of blessing. And they come out late in the day, late in the afternoon, right as everyone's going to leave. But see, here's what I know. In some of your relationships, in some of your relationships, maybe with your kids, your spouse, or some of the people in your tribe, in some of your relationships, it's the late afternoon. It's later than you think. Amen. And here's, here's my caveat, okay? If you try this at home, right? So let's say it's Thursday and your spouse says to you... Well, You're just hugging me because Max said that sermon, right? Okay, this is what's going to happen in your house. I get it, okay? I give you permission right then and there to go, yeah. And this is your moment. In that moment, you have an opportunity to, to give some of the reasons. Well, you know my childhood, or you know this, or you know that. And then to be honest with your spouse or whoever that person is to say, look, I know it's out of the ordinary, but I really do love you. And I really do want you to know that. And I'm willing to do something that's new and unusual to show you. All right? And if you can do that and mean it, it's okay that Max told you to do it, okay?